Where's Fielder? He's gone to the dogs. I talked to a good friend of mine, and he was telling me about a good hound down in Springfield, Missouri. And I became very interested in it because I wanted to get started in breeding and promoting tree and walker hounds. So I pursued the the uh, knowledge of knowing where the dog was. And I uh, called the man that owned the hound. His name was Howard Claxton, Springfield, Missouri. And we talked about the dog for a while. And he said he would sell him. And uh, we uh, settled on a price on the dog. And I called a good buddy of mine. And I said, hey, you want to go with me? He said, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to Springfield, Missouri. And that's when I lived in Neponset, Illinois, which was about a eight, 10 hour drive. He said, yeah, I'll go down there with you. Well, I said, okay. I didn't have much of a vehicle myself at that time. And he had an old Studebaker Golden Hawk. He said, well, how about we just take my car? And I said, well, that'd be all right. I'll pay for the gas. And I should have said oil, too, because I think we burned about a case of oil down and back. But anyway, Chuck Miller was his name, and we hunted together quite a bit. And he was excited about it himself. So we drove to Springfield, Missouri, and met this man by the name of Howard Claxton. Howard Claxton had uh, hunted up at the Walker Days in uh, April, and uh, that's where I had met him. And uh, between him and people I talked to, like Dwayne Clark and different people, they said, well, that's that's a real good hound if you're wanting a good one. So I ended up going to Springfield, Missouri, and we hunted the dog from about 10 o'clock at night till daylight. And by golly, we made a deal on him, and I bought the dog. I had the uh, uh, banker had told me if I bought the dog that he'd loan me the money. So anyway, we uh, bought the dog and went back to Illinois. And uh, I told the banker I'd bought the dog and. Uh, their uh, weekly meeting, the board of directors at the bank wanted to know what the deal was with that loan of $2,500 for a coon dog. They said, are you crazy? And the banker told me, so, well, if you was, uh, the rest of your loans was as safe as this one, you didn't have no worries. So anyway, uh, I bought old Fenrir Spot, and my brother and I had been hunting together for years. And, uh, we decided maybe uh, that dog needed to be campaigned in the in the world hunt, the ACHA world hunt, and uh, this was in June. So while we was working on a project on construction, on addition to a hospital and. We was hunting the dog about five, six nights a week, and we had him in good shape and got up toward the time to go down to World Hunt. And we told these guys, we said, we're going down to the ACHA World Hunt, and we got a dog that we think we can win it with. And they just laughed about it, kind of. There was several of them coon hunters on that job. They said, you must be having a dream if you think you're going to go down and win that World Hunt. Well. Uh, my brother had a little six-cylinder Ford pickup truck, and I had to borrow money from my sister for uh, painting her house. She gave me a little bit of money, and I think I had $135 in my pocket when we left to go down there. So we took bedding and stuff so we could sleep in the truck, and Anyway, by the time the dust settled after three nights of hunting, and uh, I'd won the ACHA World Hunt, at least out in Missouri. Well, let me interrupt you right there and let our listeners know 
who this familiar voice is. Our very special guest today on the Gone to the Dog podcast is none other than my longtime friend, legendary coon hunter, uh, Mr. Finley River, many will know him as John Monroe. John, it is so good to have you on the podcast today. I want you to finish that story uh, about Finley River Spot, but I just wanted to introduce you before we go any further, and please go ahead and continue. No. Yeah, yeah, go right ahead, John. Just we're uh, so, we're anyway, just really glad to have you with uh, with us today, and and we just want to hear soak up all of this history that you're going to share with us. Okay. Uh, anyway, these fellows all thought we was crazy. It was going to go down and win that world hunt. Well, uh, we did. There was 225 dogs in that hunt that year, and. Uh, after three nights of four hours a night of hunting, we had first place one, and uh, we were wore out. We'd been sleeping in the back of a truck uh, all those nights, and we was ready to go back to Illinois. Well, when we got back, a couple of days later, we went back on the job, and we told these guys, well, how'd you do? And I said, well, here's the trophy. We had a five-foot trophy, and uh, they thought that was pretty cool. And, of course, we, I kept right on hunting the dog. And uh, so, anyway, the, the dog was, uh, he was really a good hound, but he had never been proven as a breeder. And between my brother and I, we kind of got the idea that if that dog is that good, we ought to have the dad to him. So anyway, my sister happened to be home from the East Coast visiting my mother for a few days. And we talked with her about it, but we, we really didn't have too much money anyway. So she said, well, if, you, uh, if you're interested in buying that dog, I could probably float you a little money. And this was in November. It was real bad weather, snow and ice. And anyway, after discussing it, we I called the man in Michigan that had Finn River Chief, the father of Finn River Spot, and discussed the dog. And he said, "Well, I really don't care to sell this dog." But he said, uh, "Right now, so we're kind of." Uh, in over the head with some bills and stuff. His wife had some sickness, and he said, I, I'm, I'm going to price the dog to you, which he did. He wanted $3,000 for the dog. So anyway, after discussing it, my uh, sister said, well, if you want to go to Michigan and get that dog, she said, I'll go with you. Well, it was, uh, we just had a snowstorm and ice covered highways, and it was bad. But anyway, we decided to take off and go to Michigan and get that dog, which we did. And it was a kind of a dangerous trip, really. But anyway, we went up there, and John uh, had uh, some stipulations with the purchase of the dog that he wanted some uh, stud fees off a few of the bitches and whatnot. And time we got done I had $3,750 in the dog and uh, we headed for back to Illinois so anyway uh, it was like I said it was bad weather and I didn't have him but two or three days and I decided to take him hunting well I jumped him out in the strip mines not too far from where I lived back in them days we didn't have tracking outfits and tracking collars. Well, the wind came up, and by golly, I lost him. And there was hundreds of acres of strip mines, and couldn't tell where he was at or anything. And I looked for him till daylight, still couldn't find him. Hmm. So I went home, got a little bit of sleep, and drove around about two-thirds of the day looking for that dog. And by that time, I was sick. 
and happened to see some smoke coming out of a farmer's machine shed. And I thought, well, maybe that dog might be in there. So I stopped, went into the shed, and I asked the farmer, I said, you wouldn't happen to have seen an old coon dog around here anywhere, would you? Well, he said, I don't know about that, but he said, there's a dog laying over there by that wood burner. He said, I don't know what kind of dog he is. He's covered with mud. I walked over there, and I didn't even recognize the dog. He was totally covered with mud. And I, evidently, he had been in a hole yeah. out there in that strip mines and dug his way out. I took him home and gave him a bath and cleaned him up. I didn't take take him uh, hunting there for a bit anyway after that. <laughs> but anyway, the word got around about that old dog pretty quick. And uh, by golly, people started calling about him. Uh, it was kind of a blessing in a way, unbeknown to me, because Fenwick spot. Although he was a whale of a dog, he evidently had a poor sperm count. And he was only settling about a third of the females that I had bred to him to that point. And I hadn't really realized that the dog was missing females. So anyway, I think we bred about uh, eight or ten bitches to him and about half of them did settle. But anyway... Uh, I took him to the University of Illinois and had the doctor down there was high on that kind of stuff. So checked him all out and he said, this dog's libido's low and all kinds of stuff. And he said, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to keep him down there for a while. And I said, go ahead. So he had him down there right at a month and, uh, I thought, boy, this is going to be something. So I called him and said, yeah, you can come and get him this week. And he told me the dog had uh, his poor sperm count, but he said uh, with the right care and stuff, he thought he'd he'd come around a lot better. And so anyway, long story short, I found out later, Spot had been caught in a barbed wire fence and and uh, ripped his scrotum and. He just wasn't in very good uh, shape to be mating a female. So at that time, I was really tickled that I had bought the dad to him. So anyway, I I, I hunted spot all the time. He was a good hound to show people. People started coming from all over, and I started writing ads on Old Fen River Chief, and there's a lot of people that come from all over. I think in the lifespan of the, the old dog, he uh, his pups really started showing up all over the country. Uh, dogs that was winning big hunts, world championships. As word of mouth, I really didn't have to say too much about the dog because they was keeping him plenty busy. And uh, so anyway, they uh, they come from all over, like I said, and bred to the old dog. And dogs like uh, Finley River Dan and Gaines Finisher and all them dogs was winning them, them big hunts. And uh, he had females of him that was uh, winning big in the hunts. And they was grand show champions, good-looking dogs. and. Uh, so I just kept plugging along with him, and that's how I got started into the the uh, promotion of the Fender River Dogs. I I never tried to take credit for their well beings. I knew who had the dogs before: John Shetler, Sugar Creek, Ohio; Glenn Bexler from Corning, Iowa, had a female that he placed in the ACHA World Hunt. And uh, Bixler Supreme Sally, Glenn loaded her up and took her to Sugar Creek, Ohio, and bred her to Fen River Chief. From that, you came mean a the real nice litter of pups. You mean John? And, I'm going uh, to inter- John. I'll interrupt. At that time, uh, 
the fellows all that had hunted with him down around Springfield, Missouri, Herb Karsten, actually, when the pups was born, he called Glenn Bexler and wanted to know if he could buy a pup from him. And, well, yeah. So uh, he went up and bought Chief, brought him home in a shoebox. That's all the beggary was. And uh, so he, uh, Herb, raised him up and uh, about a year of age, He's a pretty nice dog, and he sold him to a fella over in southeast Missouri. And uh, the dog would treat a coon, but he's pretty bad about running fox. So he called Herb up and said, I don't know about this dog. Well, Herb said, if you don't like him, bring him back. I'll give your money back, which he did. Well, then Herb... Uh, hunt him and made a coon dog out of him and bred a few females, but they weren't really old enough to uh, tell exactly what they was going to do. As a matter of fact, when I bought uh, in a rare spot and put him in the ACHA World Hunt, after I the hunt, I didn't really uh, know a lot of the coon dog people that Lonnie Mears had called me and he said, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to you over at that world hunt. He said, uh, how about bringing that center of spot down here? He said, I'd, uh, I'd like to hunt with him. So I did. And the next winter I took him down there and we hunted. It was bad weather. And, uh, I could see right then that Finn River Dan was a nice dog. He was just a little over a year old. And from uh, Dan, why well, he started breeding him and people started getting pups out of him and was, uh, getting them dogs and campaigning them and breeding them and reproducing them. And I'm, like I said, I've never took credit for the being of, of uh, Finn River's chief. I, even though I knew where they was bred, out there in uh, Ohio, John Victor and uh, uh, Mr. Or John uh, Shetler and Bixler, they got the credit for Fen River Chief. The only credit I ever really wanted was the credit for having the foresight to go get that dog and buy right. him, right, and introduce him to the public. Every time I ever see an ad somebody come up with a Finn River bred dog and and put him out there for the public. Uh, there was no idea or intention of being jealous. I was always proud of anybody that wanted to promote the Finn River strain of dogs. And this has been my goal to compete uh, and come, uh, hunt these dogs and promote them since 1965. Well, can I interrupt you there for a minute, John? Um, yeah. What I want to do here just a little bit is just kind of uh, rewind the tape just a little bit and get the history of John Monroe leading up to this. Now, you are now what? 80 what? Well, how old are you, John? 82. 82. That's awesome. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I know when we've talked before on magazine articles and things like that, you uh, talked about how you got started, you know, in uh, uh -huh. in coon hunting. Share that story just a little bit about it uh, or with us. And I, I recall especially uh, you talked about uh, stopping on the way to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh, when you got married and you stopped, I believe, at Joe House's uh, place uh -huh. on the way back. Do you remember any of those stories? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how about just sharing just a little bit of that background for our for our listeners or maybe some I, younger I guys that don't know, can... you know, who you are, John. And I want to make sure that they understand uh, who they're listening to here. 
Well, I can start. I can uh, go back to when my wife and I decided to elope and get married and went to Arkansas and swung back to by Joe Houses. Yeah, yeah. Well, go ahead. Tell us that story. Many people have asked me over the years how I got started actually in these dogs. And I'm going to start back before I even knew about these dogs, how it got started. My girlfriend and I was out on Saturday night and got a little late and she said, John, I was supposed to be home halfway decent hour tonight and here it is midnight. And she said, if you don't get me home pretty soon, she said, we're going to have to run off and get married. <laughs> well, I said, if it's all right with you, it'd be all right with me. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I don't I don't think we was drunk, but anyway, we loved each other. So anyway, I called up uh, an old buddy of mine, and it was about midnight, got him out of bed, the old farmer. And I asked him, I said, Louie, would you loan me $150? And he said, at this time of night? I said, yeah. He said, I smell a mouse. He said, what's going on? I said, well, Pat and I are going to take off and go get married. Oh, man. Well, come on out. He said, I'll give you the money. So we went out there, and he gave me $150. That made me about $250, which was a lot of money back then. And we stopped by my girlfriend's house. She left a note on her windshield of her car, said, Mom, John and I are going to get married. So we went, got married. We got up down to Arkansas, and the weather was nasty. And uh, we had an old, I can't remember what year that Chevrolet was. But anyway, we went to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and we got married. And, I'd, of course, on the way down, I had stopped at uh, Esther Walker's home in Missouri, the editor of the Full Cry magazine. And uh, we spent, oh, probably couple hours there with her and she gave me full cry magazine and of course I had something to read on the way down there didn't do much reading but anyway <laughs> we looked up some of these dog breeders and uh, I noticed this Joe House had just won the world huh, with a dog called House of Bali and so back in my mind I'm thinking I'd like to make a circle around through Kentucky on the way back and visit this person. So anyway, we got married and we took off and I said, I think we ought to take a different route home. Okay. So we swung up through Kentucky and uh, in Kentucky to visit Joe House. And we spent a good part of the day there, actually talking dogs and whatnot. So anyway, uh, he, he had a dog there that I was interested in buying. He was a, actually a brother to, uh, he said, was to House of Bali. And he had priced him to me. And I said, well, I'll see if I can get the money to buy him. And I got home and the banker said, yeah, he'd loan me the money. Well, I called Joe and told him that I would going to buy that dog and well he told me he had a story that I guess somebody stole the dog from him or something but anyway he had a young female he wanted to sell me and he, she happened to be a litter mate to uh, house's chief and I went down and I bought her I think she was about eight nine months old and I give him $800 for, if I remember right, which was a lot of money then. And I took her home, and, boy, I started hunting her. And come Walker days, next spring, I told my wife, I said, I think I'm going to go to that 
Walker Day hunt in Indiana. Actually, I've been reading about it for years, but I'd like to go over there and see what Walker Days are like. And said, well, fine, go ahead. So I did. I went over there, and on the Friday night hunt was always a great hunt. So I decided, well, I I wasn't too up on them hunts, but I entered there in that great hunt, and uh, where it turned out, I hunted in the cast with. James Merchant, and after the hunt was over, why, anyway, I think James tied with Fenton River Spot for third place, and I ended up winning 10th place with that little bitch of mine. So anyway, the next day, I run into this big fellow by the name of Dwayne Clark, and I told him, I said, uh, according to that scorecard thing up there, you won second place last night. And he said, yeah. He was hunting a little female named Sparky. And uh, we got to talking. I said, well, I want to I buy me a male dog, a good male dog. And he said, well, he said, uh, this dog here that won third last night is Howard Claxton with a dog named Spock came up to the hunt with me and he said, uh, you talk about a coon dog, he's a good one. And he said, I don't know if he'd tell him or not, but he, he might. Well, I uh, talked to him about the dog and he said, well, he'd have to think about it, call him. So after I went home a few days, I called him and talked to him about it. And he said, well, he said, yeah, I'd sell the dog. Come down and try him and see if you like him. So that's when I got hold of my old buddy Chuck Miller and his Baker, And <laughs> we made plans to go to Springfield, Missouri, which we did. We got down there. And it was late at night. And we took spot and turned him loose. The wind was blowing. Nice night, but the wind was blowing hard. And Chuck and that old boy, they got to... They had to have a few beers, I guess you might say. <laughs> and we treated Coon pretty quick, right off the bat. And he said, you want to see him treat another one? I said, yeah. Turned him loose, and boy, the wind came up pretty strong. So we didn't hear nothing out of the dog for quite a while. And, of course, these guys wasn't listening for him anyway. But I said, well, let's... Let's drive around if you want to and see if we can hear him. They didn't have tracking outfits then, so we did. And after about the third or fourth stop, I heard him, and he was way in there treed. And I said, uh, can you guys hear that dog? And they said, no, we can't hear him. Well, after the whole deal settled, I'm sure they did. They didn't want to go to him. They just wanted to drive around. I guess, and have a party. So come about <laughs> daylight, we drove right to him. He was across the, walked across the bean field, a big tree sitting out in the middle of it. Daylight, we seen the coon right there in the den tree. So anyway, we went back to town, and I ended up buying the dog. We headed for Illinois. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... uh after I got home, I had to advertise him and bred a few females. And like I said, only about half of them settled. And, uh, of course, we had that planes to go to the world hunt, which we did. After the world hunt was over is when we decided that, actually, I like Spot, but I need his dad mm-hmm. to promote a breeding program. That's when I got to right going to idea of going to Michigan. My sure. sister went up there with me, and we bought the dog and took him home. And it just one thing led to another. Sure. And uh, well, John, let's talk kind of, about yeah. Let's talk about some of the subsequent dogs that you had down through the years. Uh, at what point did the Finley River Pete dog come into the picture? Well, Finley River Pete come in 
about, well, let's see. I was getting ready to go to the Animoaks, and I can't remember exactly what year it was. Uh, but anyway, Gene Harrison from Woodbine, Maryland, had called me, and I'd heard about that feed dog. And I called him, and I said, uh, would you be interested in selling that Pete dog? And he said, yeah. He said, I would. And he priced him to me. And he said, uh, are you going to go with the Autumn Oaks? And I said, yeah, I will. And he said, well, you meet me at the uh, Autumn Oaks. And then uh, something changed. And we had to change plans, so my wife and I, I, uh, back then, you know, they didn't have answering services or right. cell phones. And I, I called and I told his wife, I said, you tell Gene that my wife and I are leaving in just a little bit. And we're coming to Maryland to buy that dog. I'll tell him. Well, when he came home, she told him that John Monroe was on his way out here to get Pete. And Gene said, well, I, I come home early to call him and let him know that I wasn't going to sell him. Really? So anyway, we drove clear to Woodbine, Maryland, got out there to his house, and he was, I don't know what, I didn't say anything to make him mad, except that I come out to pick up Pete. And he said, well, I was trying to get a hold of you, but he he said, uh, I made up my mind I didn't want to sell the dog. Well, I said, I drove clear out here. I think it's 800 and some miles to get him. And he said, well, I'm not going to back out on him. I'll sell him to you. And so anyway, I started hunting old Pete, and he was a coon dog. He was a good one. He had a litter mate, litter mate named Spike, Spike right. and Pete. Right. And uh, anyway, I ended up with both their mother and their dad uh, before it was over with. But I didn't get I didn't get Spike. I got Pete, and I hunted him in all the local hunts. He was hard to beat. As a matter of fact, I took him to the world hunt in Bloomfield, Iowa. Uh, and I had, I drawed two dogs. I drawed the dog that won it, and I drawed another dog that was highly advertised. And, uh, oh, Pete, <laughs> he, he made him look pretty bad. But anyway, before the hunt was over, me and another guy, Pete and another dog, treating the barn. And that kept me from getting in the top. So anyway, I bred several females to old Pete. And uh, he'd, uh, people would come and they'd want to see what he was made of. And they'd go ahead shaking their, go away shaking their heads on that dog. <laughs> he, he was a good one. I'm sure he was. So. He was just one of the many dogs that come out of that Fender uh, River Chief. And uh, I mean, I could write about him all day. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. sure that you and, can. And, uh, John? And grandson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's, let's give the listeners a little bit of a picture about what it was like back in the day when the ACHA World Hunt was pretty much the only world hunt. In fact, that was before the days of the UKC world hunt. And in fact, Autumn Oaks came along in 1960. But what was it like going to the ACHA world hunt back in the day when you were there? With going Spot? to the ACHA world hunt? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Well, back in, in those days, uh, that was the hunt. There, there was a number one hunt in the United States. Everybody waited for the ACHA every year to come up. 
because that was a hunt that uh, it was had the most prestige of all the other hunts put together. Right. So anyway, after uh, I had bought a spot, uh, that was a big. That was a big deal right then to get to an ACHA World Hunt, and which I had on my mind all the time, anyway. And uh, so they, uh, of course, it was clear down in Lee Summit, Missouri, and it was quite a ways, but you had to go where they had it, you know. So I got prepared for it. I had the dog to go, went down there, and. Uh, Actually, you had you didn't have to win your cast advance. You had it was all total score after the final night. Correct. The first two nights, uh, I didn't win my cast, and uh, because I wasn't that sharp of a handler for one thing, and I and I hadn't uh, hunted him that much. But I drew out with guys that was there every year for years at that ACHA world hunt. And uh, so anyway, that uh, the third night, I was sitting in pretty good shape. I had good scores, but I didn't have a cast win. Now that, uh, that uh, hunt was probably, well, I've, I've still got the, uh, an old scorecard with all the dogs that was entered in that hunt at the Lee Summit, what the score was and everything. I've dug it out of an old box of mine here a couple of years ago and found it. And uh, it was quite interesting because, uh, for one thing, the third night, I scored 1550 uh, and won the cast. and. When the judge went, we had two judges on every cast. The judges went in there, and James Merchant was sitting in there. He had already been in, and he said, who'd you guys judge? And they said, well, that Thin River Spot Dog. And James said to him, he said, do you mind if I look at that scorecard? And they said, no, you can look at it. Jim, he looked it all over, and he said, well, I'll tell you one thing. This wasn't no made-up scorecard. Well, of course it wasn't. We had pretty strict judges back then. But anyway, James had 1550 and I had 1550. So anyway, and I hunted with James Merchant with that banjo dog three different times. And and, and you couldn't beat James. You couldn't in the wintertime, but you couldn't in the summer. Banjo, too, was a perfect night hunt dog. He was go hunting, good strike. Loudmouth, good tree dog, acrid tree dog, have a coon. Uh, he was he was just unbeatable. So anyway, I had the bug right then. I had to be going to them hunts. And of course, I haven't went to every ACHA World Hunt since then. Uh, there was times when I couldn't go. I had a job that wouldn't let me go sometimes. But anyway, after 44 years, uh, there was a boy down here about an hour south of me, had a young dog, and he kind of went back to some of my dogs and Buck Creek dog. Of course, they went back to Old Fen River Joe, some of them. And I'd heard about this young two-year-old dog. And I called him up, and I said, hey, somebody told me you got a good young dog. Well, he said, he ain't too bad, John. He's just a young dog. I asked him, I said, would you sell that dog? And he said, if I did, it'd be high. I said, well, how much is high? He said, $3,000. And that was in 2009. I said, would you show him? He said, any night. And of course, it was February, 1st of February, about like this. So anyway... I'd heard some other guys was interested in. A few days went by, and I called him. I said, I'll be down tonight to hunt that Ike dog. Come on. Went down there, and he treated. It was a nasty night. He treated three coon and a dan. 
And I knew he was going to try to back out on me. And I said, uh, well, maybe we'll get a better night some night, come down and hunt him again. And I said, uh, that's all right. Here's your $3,000. <laughs> he said, you sure you want him? And I said, yeah, I do. Well, he said, my wife's going to kill me. I said, well, that's up to you and her, but I'd come on with the dog. And, of course, it wasn't even a month went by. The world hunt was down there in Vicksburg, Mississippi. And the weather was so bad, I only got to hunt the dog actually one night before I went down to that world hunt. And uh, when it was all said and done, by that little Ike dog win the world hunt in sudden death. So that was 44 years from Lee Summit to Vicksburg, Mississippi, which is, I thought was pretty interesting. <laughs> and uh, I've just plugged along with these dogs year after year after year and tried to do my best to promote tree and walker hounds. And uh, maybe I haven't done it to suit some people, but there's a lot of people that like these dogs. Well, that's for sure. Now, there's another dog that I wanted to talk to you about, uh, and that's the uh, Finley River Joe dog. Tell me about Joe. Okay. Now, another dog that was probably my favorite dog of all of them was Finley River Joe. Uh, I was uh, at Walker Days over in Indiana, and... Uh, the secretary of our association, and I'm for words for him right now, what his name is, and I, I hunted, I went down and hunted with him and knew him well. I can't say his uh, last name, but he said, John, you want to buy a good young dog? And I said, uh, well, yeah, I would. He's a side junior. He's a grandson of Finn River Chief. He said, uh, down there in, in uh, Kentucky, or Howard, or uh, oh Mr. Elmer Harrod. Ha- ha- Elmer Harrod. Yes. He said, Elmer Harrod's got a grandson to old chief dog down there. He said, I think you ought to look into that dog. He said, I've hunted with him. He is really a good young dog. So... I said, okay, I got a hold of Mr. Harrod. And he invited me to come down to Frankfort, Kentucky and hunt with a dog. I called up a buddy of mine and uh, told him, I said, "Uh, you want to go to Kentucky with me? John Proctor, Joliet, well-known hunter. I'm going down to try a dog. I'm a He's a grandson to old chief. Yeah, I saw it down there with you. So we went down there, and we took Joe and oh, a couple of them guys that hunted dogs for him around. We went hunting, and we really didn't have too much of a hunt, but I liked what I saw. We went back to the house and spent the night, and the next morning, we started talking serious dogs, and I said, you know, Howard, I said, you didn't, uh, we didn't get to see very much out of that hunt last night. I said, what do you got to have for that dog? And he said, I, uh, I want $5,000 for him. I said, wow. I said, I really didn't get to see that much. What would you have on your mind? I said, I, from what I saw, I figured maybe about 3000 cash. And he didn't like that at all. He got blew his tack over it. And, no way. And his wife said, well, Elmer, now listen. She said, at your age, you can't hunt that dog. Here's a young guy that will take that dog and do something with him. She said, you know, that smudge, his world champion water race dog, is a, he was a bird dog, got run over out in the alley, got him killed. Uh, you ought to get together with him. You guys come together with a some price, and that boy will do good with that dog. So 
I said, I'll tell you what. He said, one more price, and if you don't take it, we're done. He said, they got to have $4,000 for him. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $4,000, and you can come breed a female to him anytime you want to for nothing. Okay, so I took him home, and I hunted him, I guess, about seven or eight nights. Never treated a coon. Matter of fact, he started striking, quit, and come in. And after about eight or ten nights, I got a hold of my brother and I said, I need you to go hunting with me. He said, What for? I said, Well, this Joe dog I just bought. I said, I ain't treated a coon with him since I've had him. Well, he said, I'll go with you. Well, we went to a good place and cut him loose. Same thing out there running a little bit, here he'd come, stand around a little bit and take off. He'd done that about four times, and I said, now what do you think about that, Lee? He said, you want me to tell you? And I said, yeah. He said, I think you put too many zeros on that check. (laughs) Well, that didn't make me feel any better. So I said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take him home just lame up till coon season. And it was about two weeks before season. Well, he said, boy, I don't know what to tell you about that dog, John. Well, he was used to that old man, and he let him lay in the house and watch TV and all that <laughs> stuff. So I took him home and put him in the kennel. And by God, the first night of coon season, I had a buddy from Peoria call Want to come up and go hunting? I said, well, come on up. And uh, he come up, and we took Joe and went down on the Spoon River and cut him loose. He struck, went on in there, sat down a tree, had a whole tree full of kittens and coons. And I shot shot one out. And I'll tell you what, he never missed a beat from that night on. And I, <laughs> I just hadn't realized that the dog was homesick. Yep. He never missed a beat. I never had a man come and to breed a female, I don't care what the weather was, if it was five below zero and a foot of snow, I never failed to show that dog to anybody. So well, anyway, I did end up in uh, 70, let's see, 74. 94, I don't remember what year it was, but I took him to Walker Days <laughs> and won Walker Days with him. And he wasn't a real fancy dog. He just struck a coon, worked it in, sat down tree, and had to meet. Coon dog, and, we'd uh, say. Yeah, that was 74, I think it was. Right. I won Walker Days with him. And uh, I think he, I think I, he had over 400 females come to him and uh, Lonnie Mears had a real nice dog out of him just uh, out of a bitch out of Joe that uh, maybe you remember reading or hearing about when Lonnie had that dog that suffocated in his right. Right. vehicle that was out of a daughter of Joe there and let's see 1978 Ronnie Henderson won Walker Days with uh, Bear Creek Chris. She was out of Joe. But uh, he he produced a lot of good dogs, and he was one of them kind of dogs that you never had to put the leash on. I was in uh, Walker, uh, Artem Oak with him, I think it was one year, big hunt. The dogs all treed across his body of water, and it was getting nasty cold in the Dang near daylight, and uh, I just called him. I said, "Come on, Joe!" And next thing you could see, two eyes coming across that water. He come <laughs> over, and I put the leash on him. And I said, "I'll see you guys at the clubhouse." <laughs> Boy, and I love said, that. I love work. when that happens, John. Hey, let me ask oh, yeah. you this. Let me ask you so, this. Can we make a comparison between Finley River Chief? And Finley River Joe, was there anything, any uh, similarities 
between those two dogs or were, were they, are they typically uh, the old Finley River type dog, of course, that everybody likes to talk about and remember? I imagine they were, but can you compare the two dogs? Well, in comparison to the two dogs, uh, Finley River Chief and Finley River Joe, of course, Finley River Chief had a nose that was, it was uh, uncomparable. I mean, he, he, I've seen him treat coon that dogs never open on, on bad weather. Now, Joe had a good nose, better than uh, 90% of the dogs, but he didn't, have, uh, he didn't have the nose that old Chief had. Chief was just one balanced, go, uh, hard-going dog. Joe, uh, when you got ready to leave a tree, all you had to do was say, come on, Joe. And he'd go right with you. Just shine your light the way you wanted to go. That's the way he went. And uh, on a good night, it wasn't nothing to tree, six, eight coon with him. I uh, hunted him a whole season one year. Never looked at a slick tree. And uh, you don't find that in too many dogs. <laughs> he crossed yeah. real good. And Chief did, too, with the banjo stock of dogs. I had several nice dogs out of uh, Joe and Chief and banjo dogs, especially out of uh, Johnson's banjo and banjo, too. Uh, there were several guys had old Johnson banjo bitches that bred to Chief. And uh, I remember old Leslie Moore had one, Moore's Yankee boy. Uh, he was out of uh, Johnson's banjo bits, and Chief made him a Grand Knight champion when he was just a young dog. The banjo dogs crossed very good with old Chief. Mm -hmm. Well, let uh, me let me ask you this, John. You know, as people look back over the years in the Walker breed, I think anybody that's been around very long. Uh, as you and I certainly have, uh, you think of three names when you think of Walker dogs. Now, there's certainly been a lot of important breeders and people that contributed, and as the years have gone by, in, in latter years and all of that. But the three names that most people will think about when they think about Walker dogs would be James Merchant, Joe House. And John Monroe. Yeah. Was, I'd have to, do you agree with that? I, I do agree with that. Was, yeah. what was the, without, you know, I, I'm kind of peeling back the layers here a little bit. What kind of relationship did you have with those guys? I mean, I've heard it said, you know, that back in that day, the guys were more interested in in promoting their own stud dogs and that they were courteous toward uh, each other and all that talking about the three of you how what was your perspective on that oh boy <laughs> <laughs> well uh I'll put you on the spot and if you don't like the spot you don't have to stand there brother <laughs> we can move well, on to something else uh, no, I'll comment on the relationship between the personality of Joe House and James Merchant and I, because uh, I don't have nothing to hide. Uh, back then, uh, I, it, was, it was rough going. Uh, there was a lot of, there was more out of personal competitive than uh, there is today. It don't seem to me like to have the confrontations that they had years ago, but they they didn't have the damn kind of hunts today either. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that was the only hunt, and everybody was dialed in on one hunt, ACHA World Hunt. And even though there was people like Stanfield and different guys that uh, win them world hunts, they they didn't, they weren't competitive as much as I I might say Joe House or James Merchant. Uh I'll put it this way. Joe House never beat me in a night hunt. 
And I never beat Jim Merchant, and I thought, so where do you go from there? <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, you. I got you. Yeah. Well, you know, you hear the stories floating around and all of that, you know, but there's certainly, I don't believe, you know, and, and, and again, you know, there's a lot of good breeders, a lot of good hunters. There's been a oh, lot yeah. of good dogs in the Walker breed that we could mention, but I don't think there'll ever be three that will be any better or uh, more well-remembered and talked about in the history of coon hunting than the three of you that I mentioned. And of course, James has passed on and Joe House has passed on. Thankfully, John Monroe seems to be doing well. And I talked to you the other day and you said something a little bit about people thinking, well, maybe uh, John Monroe is, is ready to hang up uh, the leashes. But you told me that a little bit of different, uh, different angle on that. I think... Uh, didn't you tell me that uh, things are just kind of picking up a little bit? What can you tell me about that, John? Well, uh, of course, uh, everybody thinks if you're breeding Fender River dogs, every dog on your property has to be out of Fender River Chief. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I've never had the same thought and concept of breeding dogs maybe like a lot of people maybe not my version wasn't as good a idea but you don't have to have every dog on your pedigree out of Finn river chief to reproduce good dogs there's other good dogs out there a lot of people they, they won't breed outside dogs because I think maybe, I don't know how you define it outside of maybe just a hair jealous. Uh, mm -hmm. I've never, ever tried to be jealous of anybody in my breeding programs. And when I met uh, this friend of mine that was hunting these dogs, the poor boys talking dogs. Right. Probably as carefully defined breeding program as anybody would ever lay out. And when I saw it and I looked back in the back of it and saw all them thin real teeth dogs in the fifth, sixth, seventh generation, uh, I've become very interested in it. And of course at that time, uh, I didn't have a young dog. And, uh, so I ended up buying uh, one of those poor boy dogs, and then I bought the dad to him, and I bred some nice bitches and got some nice dogs. And now I've got some of that stock of dogs, but I also have a lot of Finn River dogs that I've come about with that go back to dogs like Lone Pine Dewey and all them dogs that were Finley River bred dogs. So here I'm coming up behind these poor boy dogs with these Finley River dogs. And I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Uh I'll be I'll be putting these dogs out in front of the public here before long and let people see what I've went back and dug out of the basement. So it's something that's going to be, it's going to take a little while to, to spread them out to everybody. But I've got some dogs here that are well-bred with lots of finger in them. Going back to old Lone Pine Dewey. Uh, I can tell you, I bought Lone Pine Dewey from Gene Harrison at Woodbine, Maryland. He's the one I bought Pete from. Uh, I bought four or five real good dogs from Gene that were reproducers. And the little Molly female, I went out to Gene's and he called me and said, I've got a dog here. Oh, Lone Pine Dewey. He said, getting a little age on him. He said, I'm going to sell him. And he said, I've got a bitch out of him that's a night champion and I'm going to sell her. I asked him, I said, well, how much do you want for him? He said, I want $1,500 for the old dog and $4,000 for the female. 
So I loaded up old, old, old Ronnie Henderson. Everybody knows Ronnie. We for headed sure. for we headed for Maryland. We went out there. We hunted. Well, we got done hunting, and Gene offered to buy me off to just not buy the female. He said, "I'll give you money to just forget her." I said, "Well, that's the main reason I come out here to buy that female." Well, he said, if you want to, okay, but he said, I'll, I'll give you $100, just forget it. I said, no. Nah. So I bought the pair of dogs and brought them home. Molly had two cast winds, two winds for Grand Night. Needed three more. And I said, now nah, I'm going to have some fun with this dog this summer. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to finish her into a grand night. Really? Yeah. In eight days, I had three wins on her. <laughs> she, won, she won a night hunt. The next weekend, there was a two-night hunt. I won all three hunts with her, and she was a grand night. I took her to Walker Days. I won fourth in the night champions with her. I think I won fifth in the least. Crawford hunt with her. She was a good one. So anyway, I kept Dewey. I think I bred about 50 females with old Dewey. And I've been hearing more about Dewey's offspring the last two or three years than I have for a long time. So I've been fortunate enough I bought a uh, Lone Pine Dewey dog out of Oklahoma a few months back. And from what I can see, he's really going to throw some nice pups. I've leased a dog that goes back to Dewey that's uh, 10 years old, coming 11. But, uh, I'm going to cross him and some of this stuff. And I'm pretty sure I want to come up with some pretty nice stuff. Well, no doubt that you will, John. And, I, you know, we've been at it here now for, oh, a little over an hour, about an hour and five minutes. And it's just been a very interesting time for me and I know for our listeners to hear the story of these famous dogs and to get to hear it straight from the horse's mouth as as we might say uh uh-huh. and it's been a it's been a, a true delight to have you on the podcast today john and to know that you're at 82 years old uh you're still active you're still actively breeding your dogs you still have a plan you have goals mm-hmm. uh the simple fact that you won two world hunts 40-some years apart is amazing in okay. itself. So I think the longevity mm-hmm. of John Monroe has been well established. And I just want to thank you, and and we're going to do this again, I hope, uh, if, with your permission. Uh, we'll get back a, and talk some more about these great jo- uh, dogs, but it's just been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today, John. And, uh, you know, uh, we just certainly wish you the very best as you go forward uh, with your uh, Finley River dogs, your your poor boy dogs, and uh, I, who knows, is there another name? <laughs> pending out there or or we're, we're just going to call these uh finley river dogs or what are we calling them oh yeah yeah, yeah. you're going to be hearing a lot about finley river from now on well we're certainly yeah. hope that that's true john and once again i i want to thank you and uh, we're going to wrap this up for today uh with a promise uh i hope uh that you'll come back on and share some more of your great stories and uh, your great knowledge of the tree and walker breed. And, and we certainly want to wish you many, many, many more years enjoying these tree and walker dogs. Well, I, I really appreciate the chance 
to express my feelings about these dogs and to know and think that people care enough about it to listen to it. So uh, I'm just getting started, Steve. (laughs) I'm just getting started. Well, with that, uh, folks, we're going to end this interview with John Monroe and uh, what a terrific time it's been for me, and I know that you've enjoyed it too. And and uh, we want to give a shout out to the folks out at DU Supply for uh, their great uh, sponsorship of the show and making it possible. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go into a lot of details. It's not something that they require of me or even desire of me to do. But just say, if you need dog supplies of any kind uh, and excellent service uh, uh, from some terrific folks, uh, it's duhuntingsupply.com. And with that, we'll wrap this one up. If anyone asks you where's Steve Fielder, you be sure and tell them. He's gone to the dogs. (laughs) 